This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. All right. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. This is episode 106 of the Laravel News Podcast. We've got some news. We've got some updates. We've got some packages, just like always. But before we do that, Mr. Dorinda, how's life in the down under? Life is good. Life is very quiet and calm. Well, I say quiet and calm because no, Laracon not is true. over. You have a one-year-old that is... Or no, sorry. is a one-year-old. I'm interrupting 17 you. 17 months old. But you have a walker. He's a walker. You have a walker. Yep. Yeah, he um, while we were in Sydney for Laracon, he kind of stumbled a couple of steps. And then when he noticed that we saw him walking, he quickly sat down and was like, if they know I can walk, they're not going to carry me everywhere anymore. But um, (laughs) yeah, we got back and he was sort of for about a week, didn't really show any interest in wanting to do it again. And then we figured that we could like make him stand up. And if we could sit him on our lap and get him to stand up, then he'd be more inclined to walk. So he took like three or four steps between us, you know, Ree and I, and then three or four steps back. And then as he turned around, I would shuffle back a little bit and then he's walking further and further. And then the next thing we know, he's just like turned and walked off through the house and he's gone. And so everything's pretty much over now. We've torn down his little baby cage and opened up the whole house, which is glorious for us because now there's actually room in our living room again, which is nice. 17 months later, so... Yeah, it's pretty. It seems funny, doesn't it? Seem kind of like opposite now. That's like it seems like now that he's walking, you'd like have the cage. No, because not enough room. He gets real angry. You're too quick. He gets from one side to the other, so give him room. And it was great yesterday because because he was walking, he didn't do it for very long, maybe ten minutes, and then he sort of had enough of it, and then he had a a nap for about an hour and a half, and then Ree and I went out last night for the first time in months and saw a stand up comic, which was he was hilarious by the way. And then after that, he we were a bit worried because we left him with my dad. And my dad, you know, he's here during the day when one of us is here and, and he'll look after him. Change, You know, he, he won't change his nappy. He won't feed him his bottle, you know, give him his bottle or anything like that. So we were a bit nervous about leaving him. But he went to sleep just before my dad got here last night and he slept until 6 o'clock this morning. So all is well that ends well. Nice. So we, we, it's good That's that he's awesome. moving around now because he's much more likely to tire himself out probably. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool seeing that video yeah. of him walking around though. That was awesome. He's out of control. Cool. He's absolutely out of control. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I can I can just see it in his little eyes. Mm-hmm. He is his father's son <laughs> and he's going to cause death and destruction anywhere he you goes. You tell him no and he looks over his shoulder and you look at him and you're like, no. And he's just like smiling. He's like, and then he does it anyway. He's like a cat. You know, the cat, you yep. like tell the cat, don't do that. And the cat oh, totally. Just, yeah, exactly like that. Yep. So now oh, we don't right. ever have to have a cat because we've got a kid. Um, the cat probably would have been go. cheaper, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I pretty I can say that definitively. Yeah. Yes, the cat would have yeah. been cheaper. <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully all of you out there in uh, wherever you are are having a wonderful week. Start to your week. Let's go ahead and jump into releases. So we've got 6.4.1 that was released let's see when was it released actually doesn't have it in the October notes paul, 30th. paul redmond or thereabouts i think it would have been the was 29th the that... it would have been the in line with the okay. releases every tuesday gotcha. every tuesday okay every tuesday 
That's true. So they released 6.4.1 with a few changes. One of them was from our very own Mr. Michael Dorinda, which is a scheduled task skipped event. So this fires on a skipped scheduled command. So uh, basically what the deal is, is if you have a scheduled command in your kernel and you have a conditional constraint on it, a truth constraint is what I think, I don't know if the docs mm-hmm. call it that. Is that what yeah. the docs call it a truth constraint? So if you have a when statement or something like that, which accepts a closure, and then if it returns true, it will end up running the schedule the task. And if it does not return true, then it will skip it. Uh, there was no easy way to know whether a task was skipped or not. So this new scheduled task skipped event fires on a skipped scheduled command. So that's how that works. Next, we have a new error message. Connection is no longer usable, which was added to the list of errors related to a lost database connection on MS SQL, so Microsoft SQL Server. And then lastly, we have the file system and file system adapter now have a missing method, which is the inverse of exists, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of having to say not exists, you can now just say storage colon colon missing and then specify the name of the file, which is handy. I just had to do this last week, actually. So there we go. I think that's, there's a couple other little ones, other little items, but not much, not much. So I think that's pretty much it for Mm. 6.4.1. We also have 6.5, which was released. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, indeed. First of all, we have a new lazy collection remember method, which remembers any enumerated values and will not pull them from the source when enumerated again. Um, I guess if you call the same method, uh, it's, it's sort of caching, I suppose. If you use user cursor remember and you haven't run any queries as yet, you run user all, all the values get pulled from the database. If you run user all again, we've got the user from the, the remembered cache rather than having to query it again. So if you're not worried about being able to fetch the the data from the database over and over again, you're happy to just grab it from your, you know, from memory. Using the remember is a good way to avoid constantly hitting your database. I don't know how often you would call all like that or, you know, run the query over uh, over and over again in the same execution context in a, in a Laravel application, mm. but it's there if you do need it. Yeah, that's pretty handy. Um, next, two new string methods were added to the Illuminate Support STR class. The first is an after last and the second is a before last. So you can get the string after the last, for example, slash if you're wanting to get the base name of a, of a full class path. So if you had app backslash notifications backslash tasks backslash task updated, if you pass that as the value to the string after last method, followed by a backslash or two backslashes because you need to escape them. It will give you the string after the last slash. Uh, If that makes little to no sense to you, obviously that will be in the show notes for you to peruse later. Next, the query builder now has an exists or and a doesn't exist or method, which allows you to define a callback when the condition is false. So if you had a user dossiers, which is fancy, I suppose, user dossiers where null closed at doesn't exist or you can pass that a closure and then you can return a uh, 422 in there as some kind of validation error, obviously, or, you know, you handle that condition where something doesn't exist fairly easily in your query. And lastly, there's a new unless condition, which has been added to a custom blade if directors, for example, a custom ENV example from the blade documentation allows you to use uh, 
env, else env, else, and then end ev, end env. So you can additionally use the unless variant of this condition to avoid strange if else scenarios. That looks like it'd be fairly handy, but if you would like some more context around what that is, again, that will be in the show notes. So just for my benefit, I did browse over that quickly, but if you're making your own custom blade directive, like in this case, env, ENV, right, where you're checking to see what the ENV of the application is, so you'd say env production or something like that, does it automatically prefix those now with like, I, so before was it if env, it would automatically make that for you, that if version of it? Uh, I don't think so. Do I know? think this is just some custom handling for it, perhaps. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure okay. off the top of my head. Yeah, I guess this is doing some automatic. I didn't scroll to the second part of the example, which says now instead of doing all of that stuff where you've got your own custom directives, um, you can just do uh, unless env and just mash it all together into into one thing and, and Laravel will figure it out for you. But yeah, more oh, cool. context for that, obviously, will be in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. I think that actually takes it all the way through all the updates that we had. So we are now on to packages and uh, everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redmond, has gotten an interesting one here, which is the Laravel validation rules, which is a GitHub organization containing a collection of useful validation rules that you can pull into any of your projects quickly. And so you don't have to write them yourselves because all of us have to write these a million times across many apps. So here are uh, some of the validation rules that are included. So color, which is currently supports hex colors. And spelled correctly, by Country the way. Country codes. What's that? And spelled correctly, you said? Yeah. Yeah, because it's C-O-L-O-U-R, color, color. You know what? Uh, the other thing actually I saw the other day was one of the guys I work with is from Hungary. And he was spelling yogurt and he spelled it yoghurt, yeah. Y-O-G-H-U-R-T. There's yeah. like, there's nope. a few different ways to we spell, spell it. it with the- there is, we get, we can get Greek yogurt here and it's spelled oh. Y. Y-O-G-H-O-U-R-T, which I think is just taking, oh, taking the piss. <laughs> oh my yeah probably it's a bit too uh, pompous for me it's like let's just see how many vowels yeah. we can add in mm-hmm. here let's just let's just see what the aussies will tolerate <laughs> we're greek after all that's right we can put as many vowels as we want in there exactly right Yo yes <laughs> <laughs> So we have color. Uh, so color is one of the validation rules. We have country codes. We have credit cards, IP addresses, both IPv4 and 6. Hey. I'm just kidding. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't specify, but I'm sure probably both. Phone numbers, subdomains, time zones, U.S. states, and Canadian provinces, both. Uh, and it includes full text and abbreviation as well. So like you could pass in Utah or you could pass in UT or you could pass in Alberta or you could pass in BC, whatever. So there's all different types of validation rules there mm-hmm. for you. So you can check that out uh, in the show notes. I actually don't have the link link to it. It is laravel-validation-rules.github.io is the page where mm-hmm. you can find it's it. a whole bunch of them. Yeah, tons of them. Lots and lots and lots of them. It's kind of like the notifications yeah. thing, yeah. I think. In the same vein. Yeah, there's there's a ton of them. Yeah, exactly. It's basically just like, hey, you need validation rules? Here's mm. a bunch of them. I might have to have yeah. a look at that because we've got our own custom phone number thing that handles Australian phone numbers. It handles validation, but it also handles presentation and normalizing into E164 format and things like that. So Yeah, okay. So tell me about this E164. Is this just like, what does that stand for? Do you know? Uh, E164 is just the international standard for phone numbers. So if you, in our legacy database, phone numbers are stored as integers. 
which means like in Excel, yeah. if you put a phone number in there, a mobile phone number starts with a zero in Australia. So zero, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. If you put, okay. if you take that from a post and put it in the database, the leading zero will get truncated. So your phone number will end up in there as that makes four, sense. one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, which is no good. So not correct. Yeah. Um, phone numbers store as a string, store it as a varchar, store it as a, depending on, you know, if, for in Australia, the, the maximum length for a phone number is, I think, 13 digits. So, you know, you would store 13. And then the E164 format, we basically take whatever the user gives us, whether they've got spaces in there, whether they've put parentheses in there, whether they've put brackets. We strip anything that's not a number because it's, you know, it's not a phone number. We don't really have, you know, like 1-800-GO-LARAVEL or anything like that. You know, we don't typically have words or letters in our phone numbers. I mean, even though it's, you know, sure. they yeah. just translated we to don't numbers either, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, strip all that stuff out and then you get a phone number. And then, you know, if you've got a phone number, so we have a prefix in South Australia is the number eight. So if you've got eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, E164 format would basically go, okay, we need that to be fixed. So we'd put six, one at the front, which is the country code. Then we put another eight uh, for shits and gills and then there. So you'd have that. Do you do a plus in front of it? Is there a plus in front <laughs> the, of it too? The plus is implied at that point. The E16, okay. E164 doesn't have the, doesn't have the plus in it. So... And that means that the numbers are always stored in exactly the format, stored in exactly yeah, the sure. same format, which means when they come out of the database, they're much easier to format. And then we handle putting, you know, parentheses in there and spacing it out into what we would consider to be a normal um, number, which would be the the area code. So zero eight in parentheses, then a space, then four digits, then a space, then four digits. So wherever possible, I would recommend, you know, normalizing and storing in a consistent format. E one six four is easy because it's an internationalized standard and it will handle phone numbers everywhere so and then presentation is just a matter of either using a presenter or a decorator or or even just a, a model accessor depending on the size of your model so plenty of options there but there's a free free fire emoji tip for you normalize your phone numbers and and make life easier yeah it seems like it would make sense to store them as the e164 no we don't do that no we don't do that we just you know we just chuck them in whatever we want and then we e164 them after so we do like a presenter on mm. it you know I don't know. I'd probably call it a mutator or whatever, yeah. right? But or no, 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 an accessor. Yeah. But um, yeah, it doesn't. It's not a great way to do it, but it yeah. works. So I digress. Anyway, yes, all those validation rules are in there, and you can check those all out. Yeah, and if you're creating your own okay. uh, your own validation rules, maybe consider con- contributing back to that that GitHub organization. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, great idea. Moving on. Okay, so we have a REST client inside of your Laravel projects. So I think we're on, on to you mm. on this one. Laravel Compass is a package by David H. Sianturi. That was my best interpretation <laughs> of your last name, David. I apologize. Providing a REST client inside your Laravel project. Laravel Compass is an elegant REST assistant for the Laravel framework that you can use to test API calls and create API documentation. It provides endpoints automatically for get, post, put, patch, delete, various auth mechanisms and other utility endpoints based on Laravel routes in your project. It provides an SPA backend experience with your routes preloaded. That's right. It will automatically provide endpoints based on Laravel route definitions. If you ever use Postman, the Laravel Compass UI will feel very familiar. Uh, it looks very nice. Yeah, it looks almost exactly the same. Yeah, it looks really good though. So I've I've not used it, but it certainly looks interesting, especially if you're building APIs in Laravel, being able to stub them out and test them and, and all that kind of stuff is very helpful. Uh, I will actually be building an open, open API one uh, this week. 
fingers crossed they get some time to actually knuckle down on it. So I might check this out. But you can learn more about this package, get full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub at David H. Sianturi, S-I-A-N-T-U-R-I slash Laravel-Compass. Link will be in the show notes. So I'm just making sure I understand this here. So basically what this does is it almost builds like a Postman backend for you automatically based on your routes. That's what it looks like, yeah. Okay, interesting. That's pretty cool, actually. Yep, that's pretty cool. I have two... Even if it was just loaded that dev, like even if it was just loaded for your dev side of things, I think. I think would that still be useful? It would still be useful. I feel like it'd be a little bit scary if I had it like on my live production server. Mm. I could just let anybody kind of test endpoints. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm sure you could protect it somehow, but yeah, that's really interesting. Because like I've, you know, I love Postman. I use Postman all the time, but sometimes it's hard to remember like, okay, what was the argument order? Mm-hmm. What was the, you know, I have to go grab one of the API tokens, all that stuff. So it's yeah. pretty interesting. Cool. Thanks, David. Okay. Kind of going along with that, we have a Laravel REST API response builder. So the REST API response builder for Laravel is a package by Marcin or Orlo. Orlowski. You Orlowski. made a terrible mistake. <laughs> you should have done the other one. There, you should have read the other one. <laughs> Mar- I think I would have been. Here you go. Here you go. Here's one for free. Marcin Orlowski. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. You can have it. For building JSON API responses, according to the author, the package helps with things like data conversion and localization. So here's the description that it has. Response Builder is written for REST API developers. By, REST API, by a REST API developer and is based on my long-lasting experience on both sides, API dev and API consumer of a variety of REST APIs. It's lightweight with simple-to-use public methods covering multiple potential use cases, on-the-fly data conversion, localization support, automatic error message building, support for chained APIs, and hopefully exhaustive documentation. So basically this allows you or helps you to build responses out for your Laravel REST API. So I think sometimes it's hard to, you have to, and you're probably dealing with this right now, right? Like what sort of standard are you going to use for your REST API responses? Like how are you gonna handle like pagination and how are you going to return all these different relations these different related models and are they going to have to make additional calls or are you going to load those in at the same time or like how does that work right and so basically what he does here is he provides for you some sensible defaults i believe uh, based on his experience doing api development both on the development and the consumer side of things uh, and then tries to make it a little bit easier for you to build out those successful responses as well as error responses because you have to handle those as well so what are those going to look like right and then of course he has documentation uh, on that as well so even if you don't like subscribe to the entire package like if you don't like subscribe to his uh, methodology for all of it i'm sure you could probably get some good ideas out of it and then check that out. Yeah. So yeah, thanks very much, Marcin Orlovsky. Good job. Thanks. All right. Uh, so it looks like the next one that we have is HTTP client that handles retries and logging. Now, I'm just going to go out on the limb here. I bet you Paul Redmond is dealing with some API <laughs> stuff right now. It certainly seems that way. Because, because he's doing a lot of API packages mm. here, right? We've got... Uh, you know, REST clients inside your Laravel projects, REST API response builders, uh, HTTP clients that handle retrying and logging. Wow. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's let's talk about this one. What do, what do yeah. we got? Gust- this is pretty cool. Gustavo Ocanto. 
created a HTTP client on top of Guzzle that handles retries and logging. Typically, you'd have some code uh, like the following. You'd have, I don't know that I have a do while, but yeah, you could have a do while and have your query inside there and then uh, increment a retry counter if you don't have any responses. With this client, however, you can achieve similar by just saying uh, new client and then retry five or 10 or however many times you want to retry and then and then get whatever the uh, endpoint is. And then you can on retry even specify some additional functionality. So you've got some granular control there. So if you have a API that is perhaps a little bit flaky sometimes, you need to give it a second or third poke. Uh, definitely check out this package. You can learn more about it and get the installation instructions and view the source code at gocanto slash http dash client. Links for that as well will be in the show notes. You think that's what it would be then for? It's just like something that's like, oh yeah, we just randomly get these failures or yeah, something. We have our uh, phone system will on occasion just not respond. So we just have to try. I mean, we try every 15 seconds to, to hit it up, but you know, we don't. If it fails, it's okay. We can wait 15 seconds to get live call status and things like that. But sure. yeah, for things that, that are more likely to fail or that you're, you know, maybe you only poll it once every 10 minutes or once every 15 minutes, if you need to have a response and you can reasonably expect that it will fail the first time, then yeah, definitely having some kind of built-in retry functionality, which hides that gnarly do while statement, then yeah, definitely give us a Yeah, go. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, this looks like one that might be interesting for you, actually. I know you were talking about multi-domain support the other day. T- tell me the situation that you've got with that. Let's talk about that yes. for a second. So what's going on with so, that? So you and I were talking before the show about moving our um, infrastructure from our old legacy hardware to our new environment, which I think we've talked about on this show previously. It's quite extensive and very expensive and we need to use it. But in doing that, we've got some parts of the business that have migrated to the new corporate network, which links all of our offices together. And some parts of our office are still using the the older network, which doesn't have access to that. So we actually need to support our CRM application on two different domains. So we've got CRM, um, our, our, our old CRM URL, and we've got the new URL. They both point to different IPs. There's some handling at the edge of the network to sort of VPN between the two, but they're, for all intents and purposes, running on two different domains. The, the end goal is to move to the new one. But in the meantime, we need to support the same exact application on two domains at the same time. And the, so, yeah. and the way that Laravel handles generating URLs will go based on your app URL. So if you use the URL helper or the asset sure. helper, then it will use, it will use the, the, the URL that's defined in your ENV or your configuration file. Now, where that is a problem is where you come from the other URL and you click a link that's been generated, you know, that's a redirect or whatever that's been generated with the the configured yeah. URL. And so then they get redirected to a URL that they don't have access to. So we worked around it by just grabbing the HTTP host out of the the server super global request, which is yeah. not ideal, but now that I've seen this package, it's a temporary it's a solution. Temporary solution. So, yeah. yeah, so you can just stay there until we move anyway, and then we'll re- rewrite right. those things. I think the route helper does behave properly, but these are redirects to legacy parts of our application that don't have routes defined, unfortunately. So um, a bit of rigmarole there. But the Laravel multi-domain package is a package by uh, at gesh, G-E-C-C-H-E, 
that allows a single Laravel installation to work with multiple HTTP domains. There are many cases in which different customers use the same application in terms of code, but not in terms of database, storage, and configuration. This package gives a very simple way to get a specific ENV file, a specific storage path, and a specific database for each customer. So maybe not for us because we have a slightly different setup. However, once you finish the installation and setup outlined in the readme, you can use the package commands. So they're just artisan commands to manage the domains. So you've got a PHP artisan domain colon add and then your domain and add it again for any subsequent domains. You can remove domains. And when you add the domain, the .env configuration file is created for the specific domains. So if you add a domain site1.com, you'll get .env.site1.com. You can list the domains using domain list. This, I wonder if this works in a similar way to Matt Stauffer has got the Gislog. And he was, when okay. there was a while back when I had a discussion about with him about supporting custom and custom domains on that, because he was talking about potentially monetizing Gislog. And so, you know, you could redirect from jacobbennett.com to gislog.co slash, you know, Jacob Bennett. But to, to use sure. their own custom domains, we kind of looked at some ways of fudging the the thing that, you know, the domain handling in Laravel based on where you were coming from. So sure, you'd have to yeah. look into it, but I wonder if this has a similar approach. So yeah, you can definitely learn more about the package. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. And like so many of the packages and articles and things like that, that we talk about on the Laravel news, the package was submitted to our Laravel news link section, which is a place the community can post packages and tutorials around the Laravel ecosystem. Uh, you can follow on Twitter at Laravel links, or you can submit your own links at laravel-news.com slash links. Very cool. Uh, we've got a tutorial here, and then we've got a quick note from Eric on events uh, that you have going on. So we'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to look at this tutorial real quick, which I don't know how many times this particular author has posted on Laravel News. It looks like he's got two different posts on here. I was going to say the last time he submitted the post was in 2017 because I haven't seen his name come up very much. Uh, but it's Dulio Palacios. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote a blog post for us called Seven Tips to Prevent, Detect, and Fix Bugs in Your Code. And he makes some really common, uh, not not common, really common sense suggestions for how we can improve your code and how you can make sure that you're not going to write bugs and uh, make it easier to fix them when you do. So I'm just going to read through them because these are these are good. So we have assigned descriptive names to your variables, functions, parameters, and methods. So a lot of times, or in the past maybe, when I was first learning, I felt like this need to make short variable names for some reason. I don't know exactly why. So you'd remove like vowels or something. You can still read it or you uh, abbreviate things and that's typically not helpful. Uh, it used to be useful back when the size of the memory on the machine was limited. And so you really had to be conscious of, of how many characters you were using. <laughs> I've talked to the, some of the guys who are, you know, neck beard dudes at my, at my job. And they tell me, yeah, back in the day we had to, <laughs> you know, use single letter variables cause you couldn't use, you know, you didn't have enough memory, yeah. whatever. It's not the case anymore. Uh, so instead of saying REQ for request, just use the full word mm-hmm. request. Uh, and that's that's good. That's one thing. Uh, you should be using a standard like PSR2, or I believe the new standard is PSR12. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what Laravel is now sticking to, uh, which style CI updated recently. And all of my code 
like across all of my code bases whenever i'd make a pull request it's like 300 yeah. changes because it reordered yeah. it like did it changed how we ordered the namespacing the so it used to be by yeah. length yeah they use statements it used to be by length and now it's mm-hmm. alphabetical which i think makes more sense it doesn't look as pretty but it yeah. makes more sense so it reorders all those every time i push something in but PSR2 or PSR12, you should definitely be following some sort of coding standard. Uh, You should reduce the number of temporary variables that you're using. This is like one of those pet peeves, I think, of uh, Adam Mm -hmm. Wathen. He's like a huge, like, no temporary variables sort of guy. Don't use magic numbers. This is an interesting one that we've been using a lot recently, which is zero magic numbers. Like, you should either be using like some sort of enum class not in your database but like if you have multiple types of something that are all related to a particular thing so like for example in an app that me and michael are working on we have task check-in type and then it has constants that are assigned on that task check-in type that we can then reference in multiple classes and we don't have to have magic strings floating around that way if we just change it it only has to change in one spot so those are super helpful. Not using magic numbers, instead using constants yeah. in your in your classes, either in your classes or having specified classes that will handle kind of some of those uh, values for you. Divide and conquer. This is basically just encouraging you to extract methods for groupings of code. Right? Object oriented programming asks us to group data and functions in one place which is typically in classes, but you can also take all the related pieces of information uh, or pieces of code in your, you know, in a controller method or whatever, and you can extract them just to little classes if you find that, or not little classes, I'm sorry, little methods. If you find that it justifies the class, you can do that as well. But those help to clean up your code quite a bit. And, you know, if you have like some conditional sort of stuff, the, the one that he has here is uh, he has a method called add delivery cost, which will return the amount with the delivery cost, but only if the amount does not exceed the delivery threshold. Otherwise, it returns the original amount. Well, you can imagine if that logic was like in a, controller like you have a bunch of you're not what's it called declarative versus imperative mm-hmm. right declarative programming i think is like you're saying what you're doing right and uh imperative or maybe it's not maybe imperative isn't the right word but you're basically doing it all right so yeah. instead of saying get the delivery cost you're saying go ahead and grab the amount and then check it against this thing and then blah 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 mm-hmm. right yeah okay uh, defaulting to simple solutions. So they're basically what is number six. We're almost done, folks. I promise. Uh, which is basically keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple. And then lastly, write automated tests. I thought this was interesting. So he said accountants follow a practice called double entry bookkeeping. It's a method that requires them to enter all transactions twice. This basically makes sure that they don't enter the wrong number. This is sort of like when you're putting your password in, they require you to do a password validation. So writing unit tests requires us to write the code twice, once to define each test and a second time to write the actual implementation of the code. Many developers complain about this because it forces us to work double, but by writing the code twice, we reduce the possibility of making the same mistake twice. And in the same way, if we make two different mistakes, tests are likely to fail. Yeah. So this is good. This is good. Uh, so some really solid uh, suggestions. And, you know, we've got a lot of these things out there right now. I know Jason Mercury has some really, really good stuff on these sort of same topics. Really good courses out there. So this is something you're interested in. Read this blog post over a little more carefully. Take a look at some, uh, at some of uh, JMAC's courses. And uh, I'm sure it could benefit yeah. you. Yeah. What's it, what did Eric have to say about those events real quick, Michael? What do we have on that? And then we had... Uh, what was he talking about there? Last year, Eric launched 
uh, a new site called Laravel Events with the goal of allowing the community to submit their conferences and meetup events and things like that that would appear on the homepage of Laravel News and in the weekly Laravel News newsletter. One of the original goals was to have an image with each event and this quickly became a bottleneck as Eric was spending too much time creating them for events that didn't have one or fixing up ones that did that weren't you know great and things like that. And by the time that he got around to doing that, the event had already finished. So to help combat this, <laughs> Jason Beggs graciously submitted a PR to remove the image requirement. And now you can quickly add your meetup or conference and the approval will be that much faster because there's no need to, you know, fix up the, the image in there. So um, if you if you run a, a meetup or you attend a meetup for Laravel or PHP all around the world, be sure to check out Laravel events. They're at, I guess, laravelevents.com. Uh, we will have a link to the article about it and uh, Laravel events itself in the show notes. There we go. Uh, as we do on occasion, uh, there are some really good community links out there. So I'm just going to read the titles of a few of them. Mocking and testing PHP traits in a Laravel application. We're using a controller method for multiple actions in Laravel. Localizing a Laravel app using Vue.js and Inertia.js without any dependencies. Streamlining your code deployment. Uh, why you should stick to the default Laravel architecture. Why you should never stick to the default Laravel architecture. Just kidding. There's not actually two opposing blog posts, but there are differing opinions. Okay, so uh, all I'm saying is I'm just encouraging everybody to kind of go go take a look at some of these community links. There are some really good contribu- uh, contributions out there that you might not hear about because... There's just so much on Twitter. There's so much on Twitter to, to look through. Uh, but Laravel News does a great job of, of taking these, curating them, and uh, giving you an opportunity to look at what some other people are doing in the community who might not necessarily have as many followers or might not, be, uh, might not have as much exposure yep. on the interwebs. So check those out. Check those out. All right. This was episode 106. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like the show, please feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Show notes for this episode will be at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 106. And of course, we always love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. If you'd like to sponsor the show, we'd love to have you. We've had a sponsor for the last couple of weeks. It's been great. We would love to have you on the show as well. I have a couple of people I'm going to reach out to actually. And uh, yeah. Cool. There we go. All right. We got anything else? Nothing else. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.